0: Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby say Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the can, take a deep seat, and put your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Let me tell you about my week. <laughs> uh, my week, there's been a couple of weeks worth of planning um, we decided that, um, well, first off, Tim Armstrong at our ranch in Marion, Illinois, needed a bigger trailer because he's, by the grace of God, we're running more and more cattle up there and giving more and more beef away and selling retail beef over there, and it's just turning into a big deal, and he needed a bigger trailer, so we had this white Save the Cowboy trailer that we decided to to send to Illinois, and now it's just a matter of getting it over there. so. I had been planning for a couple of months to try to figure out a way to to get that thing over there. And finally, uh, Cammie told me that a friend of hers named Crystal was uh, moving to uh, Kentucky, outside of Lexington, and um, she needed some help hauling some horses. And so we thought, man, what a great way to serve our communities. Um, by helping somebody move, because I mean it's only going to be about another three hours to take the horses, you know, on from like Marion, uh, where the ranch is, and so made up all these plans and was going out there to Illinois, and we were going to take these horses, and man, things were going to be cool, man, serving wise, and so uh, on Saturday morning, last Saturday morning, me and Cami got up and we drove up to Evergreen where her friend, or where was it, Bailey? Conifer, one of those mountain towns up there. Um, we went and I mean it was hair switchback turns and all sorts of stuff, and we finally get there and we take we take two horses that were easy to load and three that I'm not sure had ever been in a trailer. <laughs> so this little loading five horses took about an hour. And so we finally got these horses uh done and we're we're coming off the mountain, and I get a text from our rancher Tim Armstrong in uh Illinois. He said, hey, man, you're not going to believe what just happened. I was like, what? He said, a guy just showed up here at the ranch, drove up, knocked on the door. I answered it, and he said, I ain't never done a good thing in all of my life, but I like what y'all are doing, and handed him the title to a 24-foot aluminum stock trailer. (laughs) That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Well, scratch one idea. I didn't go unload the horses at back at that lady's house because I'd already committed, right? And we preach about if you say you're going to do something, you do it. So we were just going to drive on to Illinois, and we're I'll just drag the trailer back. No big deal. And so anyway, Saturday, it's all good. And I'd talked to Tim a couple of times, and uh, last Sunday was his birthday. and And so anyway, he told me that on Tuesday he was going to a farmer's market and that he wouldn't be at the ranch. I was like, well, shoot, I'll go to the farmer's market, and we'll maybe pass out some simplified cowboy version, man, we'll just roll with the flow, this'll be good. He's like, yeah, man, that sounds good, man. I mean, I'm totally excited. I was like, oh, happy birthday, by the way. He's like, thanks. Sunday morning, I get a text from Tim's wife, Sarah. Dear Kevin, I've been gone out of town for, I don't know, like a week or maybe a couple of days. I don't know, she's been out of town. Tim didn't tell me you were coming. Coincidentally, because he didn't tell me you were coming, I didn't know that I wasn't supposed, me and my brother weren't supposed to buy him a walleye fishing trip to Michigan. Tim won't be here when you get here. <laughs> and she's like, I am so sorry. I was like, for what? Take take the guy fishing, man, seriously. I mean, like, no big deal. No, I mean, you know. So we went to Illinois, right? And we get to Illinois. Well, first we stopped off uh, at uh, Chad and Mandy Wiegand's, uh on Sunday night, we you know, last Sunday I preached and then got right in the truck, and we made it to just south of Warrensburg, Missouri, and man, that I don't know what it is about that place, but that's kind of one of my happy places. I've been there about three years in a row now, and I just, if you've ever seen their place, I mean, it's just so relaxing, because there's green grass everywhere. (laughs) There's this thing called water that just stands in these things called ponds, and they've, you know, their, their place is just magnificent, and they are such good hosts, and kind, and loving, and the conversations that I've had in that house are, are some of the most uh, amazing conversations you'll ever have. So anyway, so we went, and we stayed the night there, and got up the next morning. Chad helped us uh, load the horses, and here we are. We go to Illinois. The guy that was there when we got there, uh, he was the guy selling the place, but he was helping uh, Crystal and, and her husband. Um, anyway, he was such a nice guy and like just talked our ear off and we got to, you know, it's right outside of Lexington, Kentucky. My gosh, there must be some money in horse racing. (laughs) Whew. hey, if anybody watching around Lexington, Kentucky, if y'all want to donate one of those big spreads to us, we won't put racehorses, but we'll put a bunch of cows on there. We'll feed some people with it. So, uh, anyway, so we get to Lexington and like, Tim's not there. (laughs) like what do we do? And so this whole way, I know everything that I had planned is exactly what's not going to happen. And I, you know, I'm kind of one of those that I don't, I don't mind if plans change, but my mind is like an aircraft carrier. It just doesn't turn on a dime, right? I got to have some room to, to change my plans and get my mind made back up of what we're going to be doing. And so the whole way out there, I just kept telling myself, well, I don't know what's going to happen, but let's just make it an adventure. Let's just make it an adventure. So we dropped off in Lexington, Kentucky, or outside of Lexington, Kentucky, and Cammy said, well, what are we going to do now? I said, we're going to go have dinner in Nashville. She's like, it's like five hours away. I know. I should have got a picture of pulling the Save the Cowboy trailer down Nashville's main street. Do you know there ain't nowhere to park on that street? We had to park at a... Travel America truck stop and Uber over just to eat some lunch at Miranda Lambert's Casa Olay or whatever it's called. But man, the, the music was good. The food was phenomenal. Um, you know, having a good-looking girl on my arm and her having a trophy husband, I mean, what can, what can get better than that, right? Right? So, you know, we ended up making it about an hour. You know, By the time we dropped the horses off, it was about six o'clock, uh, 5 o'clock that afternoon, so we only made it to about where Mammoth Cave is, and I was just exhausted from two days' worth of driving. So we ended up getting a motel that night and then just went and had lunch in Nashville the next day. And then we started making our way back, and I knew I didn't want to drive like 18 hours back on Wednesday. And so anyway, we start driving along, and uh, Tammy looks at me, and she goes, so what are we going to do? And I said, I've got an idea. And so Tammy's favorite thing to do is stop and have pie. You should listen to her say it. Can we stop and have pie? So we stopped at this like Patty's 1800 settlement where all the ladies were like in like old-fashioned clothing and everything was old-fashioned cooking. It was great, right? I mean, beautiful country. And so I start driving and uh, I look at the Google, you know, where it's sending us back to Kai, and We're going to try to stop about halfway between Nashville and, and Kiowa. And I noticed we're going to be going through St. Louis. Well, we were going to get home on Wednesday, Thursday morning at Cammy had to be at DIA to fly to St. Louis. That's where we stopped to spend the night. (laughs) Wednesday night, or what was Tuesday night, whatever it was. I can't even remember now. But anyway, I told her, I said, uh, I said, listen, we're going to be going to St. Louis. And her and her best friend have a dog named Slim, Slim Shady. He is currently the number one mini dachshund in the nation. And number four overall, because they show against standards and minis, he's the number four overall dog in the nation. And he was going to be showing in St. Louis. The other thing was is that we bought a dog from his handler, because we are going to start raising not only long-haired dachshunds, but wire-haired. And so Cammie was going to bring back this wire-haired dog whenever she flew, but I was like, why should you bring it back on a plane? Why don't we just stop and get her? So we stopped and got her and got to hang out with Slim as he, you know, oh, he was so excited to see us. He was just like, he peed down Cammy's boot. Like, I don't know, I don't know how that's possible, but he peed down her boot. And he was so excited to see us. And so we got Fez, who's with Cammy today. And she's a great little dog. And uh anyway, it turned out all right. It turned out all right. And if anybody really, really knows me, when things don't go right, it doesn't usually turn out right with me. I get in a bad mood. How do you handle when nothing goes right? How do you handle it? I know some of you are probably champs at it, and some of you need a lot of practice like I do. Because I make meticulous plans, and I think I've about figured out I need to quit making meticulous plans because anything that goes wrong with meticulous plans is like a domino set. Everything falls, right? How do you handle when things, when nothing goes right? Or maybe we should say, how do you keep your head when things keep going wrong? Not that anything is bad. We're not talking about bad stuff like death or you know anything like that. I'm just thinking when things don't go right, because I'm willing to bet all the money in Mitch's pocket. (laughs) It ain't much, but I'll be willing to go all in with Mitch's money that there's been things that didn't go right for you this week. Your best laid intentions, your best laid plans, Thrown in the fan, thrown down the garbage disposal. How do you keep your head when things keep going wrong? Well, I was reminded at our podcast of Sarah's one of Sarah's favorite verses. It's Philippians four, and a lot of people just do six, seven, and eight. I like to throw five in there. That's the way I remember it: Philippians four, five, six, seven, and eight. And That's what we're going to preach about today. With what we're talking about is Philippians four, five, six, seven, and eight. <clears throat> the first thing. Let, let me just read this to you right quick. And I'll start in verse 5. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about it. This is verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all that He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and think about things that are worthy of praise. Man, that is a blueprint on how to keep your head when things keep going wrong. So let's break those verses down right quick. See how we can apply those, and see if we can't apply those in an applicable way to our life. <laughs> I guess that was only for us grammar Nazis, that was not very good grammar. Thank goodness we don't have any in here. First thing it says is be considerate. Be considerate. Man, you know, the Bible time time and time and time and time and time and time and time again says in various forms and fashions that you'll reap what you'll sow. If you want something, give it away. So if you want people to be considerate to you, then be considerate to others. Now, that does not mean if you are considerate to others that everyone is going to be considerate back. It does not mean that. But it is a lot better. I mean, sometimes you'll be pleasantly surprised when things aren't going your way and you swallow that anger and you swallow that pride and you swallow that ego and you swallow all that negativity and you're just nice because that's who you are and that's who God wants. Not nice, but you're considerate because... Why are you going to let your bad day rub off on somebody else? That ain't fair to them, right? Be considerate. Just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean others should have a bad day just because of you, right? Because it's so easy to snap when things aren't going right, right? You, You grouch and growl and, you know, you say things that you wouldn't normally say. You know what? You know how I'm getting better at that is I hate apologizing for stupid stuff that I do. Does anybody else feel like that? And it just eats my lunch when I have to apologize for numbskull thinking and acting. So I figured the best way that I don't have to apologize for numbskull thinking anymore is not to do numbskull thinking, and especially don't let that crap come out of my mouth. Right? Be considerate. It's not rocket science. Everybody's looking for that deep, dark, like, let's dive deep and get all messy. How about let's just be considerate? We don't have to get messy that way it's not rocket science, it's, it's biblical truth. Be considerate. Uh, let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do, not just in your talking, in your actions. There have been times that I've been so, so just like uptight, and when I do something for somebody else that I don't want to do, it has outcomes that I never expected, right? Because when things are going bad, you just kind of figure that that, ball's, that that rock's just going to roll downhill, but that's not, that's not always the case. Especially whenever you're being considerate. Always try, I, and I think part of being considerate is be respectful, people. You know, one, one of the things that just sticks in my craw, I, I'm serious, man, like cat hacking up a hairball, right? I just It's when somebody says, well, you've you got to earn my respect. I ain't earning nothing from you, right? <laughs> and listen, you ain't got to earn my respect. I will give you 100% of my respect. If that changes, it's your fault, right? But I will always be respectful. If I can't be respectful, I'll remove myself. Be respectful, not because the other person deserves it, because of who you are. Not because they need it, not even because they want it, because that's what God has called us to the lot. That's what God has called us to live a life like, is to be respectful, to be considerate. And everybody always knows, I nearly caught myself all while ago. Some of you heard it, because I said, be nice. And I hate nice people. Okay, I think that one of the main problems of this world is nice people. Because nice people most of the time are fakes because you can fake nice. Just a bunch of fake people walking around, right? Be kind. Nice doesn't cost you anything. Kindness costs you something. Kindness is what happens when you are livid and you are still respectful. Kindness is what happens when somebody else is being a jerk and the only thing you want to do is throw off your 14 throat punch karate moves and you choose not to and just remove yourself from the situation. That is kindness. The Bible is explicit about this. And, I, and it just it, it's crazy how simple it is to hear so hard to put in to practice. Listen, everyone has something going on that you wouldn't wish on anyone. Remember that. Remember that. Every single person in this room is dealing with something that you wouldn't want to deal with okay? Every single person watching online is going through something that you don't want any part of. Remember that, and they should also remember it about you. You are going through things that nobody knows about, but that does not give you a right to be inconsiderate, disrespectful, or unkind. God has called us to be better than that, and you know what, guys? Y'all, are better than that. Act like it. Be considerate. Second thing that Paul talks about in his, in his uh, passage to the Philippians is don't worry, but pray about everything. <laughs> now we're getting into advanced stuff right here, right? But, but really, I, I don't know if it's that advanced or we just make it hard. Anxiety and worry never accomplish anything. Listen, <laughs> although I did I did hear somebody say one time, that's not true, Kevin, because I worry about stuff and it never happens, so it must work. <laughs> I like that. That has some weird twisted logic to it, but it's not true. Okay. <laughs> just because okay, just because it sounds good doesn't mean it's good for you, okay? Because <laughs> Twinkies every day sounds good to me, that does not mean it's good for me. All right. So you know, worry. And anxiety never accomplish anything except it hurts us, which in turn, a lot of times, bleeds out to those around us. Anxiety and worry never accomplish anything. But you know what does? Prayer. Prayer accomplishes a lot. Why do you think that Paul says, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything? What he's saying is, stop the useless and get with the useful. No, listen, like, there, there's no worry God. Well, if I worry enough, the God of worry will answer, my, answer your worry? Why? And, and really, that's what kind of changed my mindset on worry and anxiety. Worry is a silent prayer about what you don't want to happen, right? We spend more time in, because if we think, if, if our mindset is something, right? We set our mind on something and we set our mind on worrying, that is nearly like an inner dialogue of prayer, like we are praying about something that we think is going to happen. Man, let's just switch our mindset, and instead of spending all that mental energy worrying about something that is useless, that's not going to help us whatsoever, let's turn that worry into a prayer. God, I'm scared that things are going to happen. but you, I'm scared that this is going to happen, but you know what? You're bigger than all that, God. And even if it does happen, God, you've got me because I'm a child of God. And you know what? I am not going to worry. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to do nothing about this. I'm just going to cruise on and go have some pie. You know what I mean? This is, this is called Cammie Sermon. You know, whenever we left the pie place, the weather was beautiful. We get in the truck. We shut the truck. Just me and my girl windows are down, and I start driving off, and I hear, coming from the trailer. Cammie looks at me. She goes, that sounds like a bear. I said, don't you say it. Don't you say it. That was a bird. Sometimes your head in the sand is just as good as a prayer to God, right? It's not happening. It's not happening. And you know what? It didn't. It didn't. Brandon did it good. Brandon did it good. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Be considerate, be kind, be courteous, be respectful. How do you keep your head when, keep, when things keep going wrong? The third thing that Paul tells us is that we should, that when we are considerate to others and when we don't worry about anything, then we get to do something that can't come from us. We get to experience peace. Now, in verse 7, it says, Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. One of the uh, um, passage guides that I read on this whenever I was preparing for this said that the imagery that Paul uses about standing guard, when you went in Israel, there was Roman soldiers standing guard everywhere. And if the guards were standing there, you weren't getting in. Nothing was getting in unless they allowed it. And he, in biblical times, this would have been more monumental and understanding when you have Roman soldiers, centurions with the big feathers, you know, looking like a bunch of peacocks and, you know, spears and everything that are really guarding everything. Think about that imagery when you think of, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. See where it says live in Christ Jesus. Because when you are considerate, when you are respectful, when you are kind, when you don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything, then you get to experience God's peace. You can't force it. I mean, it's not. I guess when I say you can't force it or manufacture it, I guess we can manufacture it by doing what God says. But what I mean by you can't manufacture it, it's not something that comes from within ourselves. It's an external that comes in and guards us. So the the uh, the strength doesn't come from us. It is God's way of sending angels or the Holy Spirit. To guard our hearts and minds, because isn't that where the anxiety and the worry come from is our hearts and minds? And that's exactly what it says. He will, his peace will guard your hearts and minds. And all it takes to experience this peace is to be considerate, to be respectful, to be who God called you to be, regardless of the situations that are going on in your life. God just wants you to relax and to experience what it's like to live in peace, in Christ. And we are in Christ when we do what he says to do, when we go where he says to go, where we say what he wants us to say, and when we are who he wants us to are. Right, thank you. Worked on that all night. Then he says, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable and things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Let me simplify that for you. You got to control your thoughts, guys. And did you know that that is very well within the realm of what God allows us to do? You can control what you think about. And I, I'm, I think I'm happy to say that I learned it. I'm sad that it took me so long because you've heard me say before that, uh, you know, I was sitting in a chair one time and I was talking to Cammie about something, about a, you know, something that I was going through. And she looked over at me and she goes, honey, I just don't let myself think like that. What? She goes, yeah i just don't let myself think like that i was like well that's dumb how can you not how, how, do, how do you do that she goes i go outside and sit in the sun play with puppies i'll be dang it works it works it works control your thoughts control your thoughts focus on things that are true and and this is how you control your thoughts okay it's all about focus where are you going to put your focus i heard one time that the reason that bad things are so easy to remember is because in the grand scheme of things, they are so few that it's easier to remember the things that went wrong rather than the things that went right. But when you want to try to train yourself in thinking, or and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true. What is true, guys? Well, here's something that's true. What is true is that God loves you so much that he sent his one and only son to die for you so that you could spend forever in heaven when you pass on from this earth. And the other thing that is true is that you're a child of God, and you cannot be loved more than you are right now. You are absolutely positively, amazingly loved. I'm going to read you something that, that I posted the other day. It's by a lady named Marianne Williamson, because I know a lot of you ain't on Facebook or see my stuff. And it's a quote that says, "Our deepest fear is that we are inadequate, that our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure." It is our light, not our darkness, that frightens us most. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be those things? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve Him or others. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We are born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in every one of us. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others.